In this universe, we look at a lot of things like failure is not such a bad thing. If you're not failing, you maybe you're not trying hard enough. Welcome to Valing Ending. What? <laughs> and it's a podcast where we vow TV should, which have only lasted for a single vow. I'm your vow. I'm Val. No, no you're not. <laughs> I'm oh. not. I'm not Val. I'm Evan. Uh, uh, Pat, I'd like to buy a Val, and I'm Ronnie. <laughs> if you can tell by those Val traductions. Ending Val is a Val cast where we discuss vowels, which have only lasted for a single Val. We're currently covering ABC's pushing vowels. But before we get into that, I have a bit for us. No, I have a vowel for us. Damn it. Was oh, that's so for that. nothing. It was no. all of that. Oh. Hello, I'm Lee Pace. Uh, thank you so much though. for having it's me. I, I th- I'm Lee Pace. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm a moody little man, and I love to be sad and kind of sexy. A, excuse me. And excuse me, you're a very big man. You're a big man. I am a big, you're big, a very tall. I'm a big boy. Tall. But I like to be treated like a little man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a, a rowdy. Face, I love your eyebrows. I'm just a little rowdy guy with big old eyebrows. Hey, have you seen The Fall? I was in The Fall. Okay, not a lot of people have seen yeah. The Fall, but you have seen Guardians it's of the Galaxy. Good, you were wasted. You were wasted, Peter. Yeah, you couldn't even see your your handsome face, but you could see my butt. Didn't see, didn't see Podcast over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Lee Pace. It's been real. Yeah. Oh, that was um, weird. Did you all see what just happened? We- Lee Pace came into my house. It's me, Val. Yeah. And I missed that whole yeah. intro hey, Val. bit. Lee Pace was in your Lee Pace was in your basement, kissed that picture of Errol Flynn behind you, and then just scooted on out of the it was room. Bizarre. Uh, it was magical. <laughs> I mean, it was a little magical, don't get me wrong, but it was very bizarre, and I missed the whole intro bit, so could we just do that again, or? (laughs) 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 Hi. I can't believe that he just, like, picked you up with one whole hand. He's just so big. Yeah, Yeah. just his big yowie hands. Is that what they're called? You know, like the big... (laughs) Am I... Okay, wait, was that wrong? Isn't that what no, they're? That, no, that okay. was, a, that was a perfect. Thing. Yeah, yeah. No, yowie hands. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm I, very glad. I, I, it may seem like Lee Pace would be quite a get for us, but I am, I am far, far happier that instead of Lee Pace, we have uh, a very, very special guest from the Creature Report, from Horror Borealis, loses a love story, from Internet in general, uh, Val Patron. <laughs> I fi- thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I do find it very funny that you just omitted the fact that I work for Disney television. I think that's so bomb. I think that's the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Besides the time that. Honestly, who cares? We <laughs> only care about your other things that you do. <laughs> I, uh, except one time I did walk into a post office wearing a coat from a pizza place I used to work at as a teenager. 
And the woman goes, oh, do you work at this pizza place? And she, I was like, uh, do you recognize me? She's like, yeah, I think I remember you like delivering to me. And that is probably the top tier of how I sure. want to be recognized as delivering sure. pizza to somebody. And then being like a, a podcaster and then working for Disney. Val, I just don't know how much you want us tying the ending pending brand into something that Mr. Disney might listen to That's, is, 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 is the problem. Are they going to listen to this? Michael Mouse, if you're listening. No, I mean. Hi. That's we've, hi. We've, we've committed some some mouse crimes, so I, I would hope not. But uh, but then again, my career know. doesn't depend on it. So hi, um, I've never said anything about Disney like I have Matthew Mercer. Yeah. Are we dunking on have Matthew we ever Mercer? Slandered the mouse? I occasionally dunk on Matthew Mercer, but it's yeah, it's out of love. A, we had a whole bit it's a whole where thing. Andy, we had a whole bit where Andy dunked on Matthew Mercer and then had to apologize to Matthew Mercer and then dunked on him again and then had to apologize. I love to, that. Yeah, it was a whole it's a whole, whole thing. thing. That's, yeah. I got canceled. <laughs> That's excellent. That's not true. I feel We've like never been canceled on the internet. I feel no, we haven't. I feel it's called accountability, Andy. So this is this is the bit Val, part. Val, Andy Val also bit. works for Disney. Val yeah, also, Val, works, Val also works for Disney. Val's just real do fucking want, cool. Do you want to list out your, your like chain of command, like your supervisors no. and everything? Oh like that? Oh my gosh, okay. my I was about to say his name. Uh, my boss would. Probably fight me. I, I, you know, honestly, the only thing, oh, the only thing I can bring up is I did used to work for, work with, and I don't know if I'm a, she's an actress, it's fine. I did used to briefly work with um, a woman who is on a, a previous ending pending show, uh, Everything oh. Sucks. She was very briefly on Everything Sucks. Um, she's not like a main, well, she was, she, she wasn't a main character, but. I always like to used to poke fun at her about that, um, but she was super cool and super chill. It's a good show. It was, and I told her that. I was like, "Why didn't you tell us that when you started?" She she was just one of our um, production secretaries, and I was like, "Why didn't you say anything?" And she's like, "I don't know. Like, does it matter?" And I was like, "That's cool, though. I looked up your IMDb. You have a cool little life." <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh, on that note, I'm so sorry. I took up any time for my intro just doing little goofs and fun little ants, antidotes. Antidote? Antidote. Yeah, you're good. No, it's very good. So I do have a bit for us. We're going to play a game. <gasps> I love and games. And the game is uh, if you had to go monster hunting mm -hmm. with someone that you have been on a podcast with, who would you want to go monster hunting with? Okay. Um, I feel like the obvious choice is either Alex or Addison from uh, you know, from Horror Borealis and Alex Flanagan. Those are good. And good answers. Addison Peacock. Um, I. But if we're not going with like obvious choices, out of everyone, I mean, besides you three, we'd have a blast. Because, like, most of us in this room are born on the same birthday and thus have the same star mm -hmm. sign, which makes us all a party and a half. Uh, oh, 
shit, I forgot that we shared a birthday. Yeah. I'm true. the only one currently on this podcast who doesn't share the same birthday with the other Get the fuck people. out. Yeah. Get out. I've been fired from this podcast. Leo season. Uh, Shut up, you need me. You need me. I typed, I typed up the summaries. Wait, what's, your, wait, what's your sign? You what's your sign? Continue. Oh, I don't fucking know. Um, when were you born? I think it's... I think it's Libra. You're October. October 7th. Lee Pace? Yeah, that's Libra. (laughs) Um, Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) That means we're destined to fall in love. The stars said so. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, I would pick um, my friend, uh, someone who's not uh, in, he's not in podcasting, but he's a really wonderful person. uh, artist and drag performer. Um, his name is uh, Krem, uh, who his um, drag persona is Andromeda Seven, um, and she and I would love if both of them came with me um, because Krem, first of all, is just a blast. Very fun guy. He's super nice, uh, very chill. Um, and Andromeda Seven, her whole backstory is like she's an alien that eats like ex boyfriends and like is going to galactic court and stuff. And I think she's badass as hell. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I picked my buddy. They sound like a powerful ally. I know. Yeah. I was like, I, I definitely picked those two. They're, they're just cool. So <laughs> very good answers. <laughs> Thank you. Who would you pick? Um, if Andy always goes last, cause Andy always has an answer prepared. Oh, so, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I would pick Paladin Patrick from the quest. Oh, that's a good answer. Ooh. Yeah. He's the quest, he's... the quest vow for, for if you don't know, um, <laughs> was a 2014 reality fantasy series and <gasps> competition. Were show. you on it? No, I no. wasn't. <gasps> but Paladin Patrick was on it and he was on our podcast. That's cool. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I can vibe uh, on they're re- it. They're revising or they're reviving is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. They're reviving it. They're they're bringing it back for Disney Plus. It's gonna be. They, it's gonna they heard that we covered it on Ending Pending, and they yeah. decided to bring it back. <laughs> Which is it happens to us a lot. Yeah, awkward. Uh, yeah, Pat and Patrick. You're, he was your overlords at Disney. were like, yeah, they're listening in. Yeah. They like download. They they this they is were. this is my work computer. <laughs> <laughs> Disney has eyes and ears everywhere. Yeah. Uh Ronnie, what would you impel it and Patrick? What would your strategy be? Um, I would uh stand behind Powd and Patrick because he's a big, strong, beefy man. And uh I would say, uh, go get the monster. And I would uh see what he does, and then he would be done, and I would go and claim the Claim the experience with him. That's really good. Um, there, yeah, yeah. I Smart. really like that. It, it's just using the strengths. Yeah. My strength is knowing to bring Paladin Patrick, and Paladin Patrick's strength is just arms and and punches and and some some stabs. Should maybe. I have gotten someone a little beefier? Oh shit! No, I don't think so. Your alien murder well, girlfriend, and then friend also Krem, my friend. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> Who's probably bringing like weed and snacks? I'll be honest, and keeping That's me fit. important. Yeah, yeah. the shaggy of the group. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. I had a short-lived podcast project called The Unnaturalists, where we had a uh, biologist on board. So uh, I would bring Tora 
who was briefly uh, a podcast host with me <gasps> and also actually knows how animals work and would probably know how to like capture it or, you know, at least study it for posterity. That's cool. Yeah. That's- Tour knew them weak spots. Tour knew what to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm envisioning in this scenario that we're not killing the monster, that we're like studying the monster for science. So. Nobody told Pout and Patrick that. He's been <laughs> stab, stabbing away. I assume you're on a different quest with a different... I want that loot. I get that loot, You're on a different quest with a different monster, so... Hopefully it's not an endangered species, but, um... Yeah, I would pick I would pick Tora and Kim, who were on that podcast with me, so... That's that's smart. I like that. And who you bringing... Okay, so I have two answers. Sure you do. Of course you do. I do. Yeah. So the first answer is Avin. And the monster would capture me and drag me back to its lair and, like, (laughs) tie me up. That monster was Lee Pace. No. (laughs) Evan would would fight the monster and uh, get kind of beat up. But then rescue me, and I would thank him. Aww. Very um, important that Evan gets beat up a little, just a little, a, just bit, a little, just a little enough bit. to get like not a bruise and maybe a maybe a little bit of a, a not a scratch because that'll scar a little scrape. Yeah, little the, scrape. The, the the Charlie Cox look from Daredevil. Sure, mm. a vibe. Facial scars are very fetching. I'll take a facial scar. Yeah. 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 Um, I didn't want to scar you on you know without your consent. <laughs> no, I would I would love to acquire a facial scar. Uh, in the process of saving my beloved from a monster. That would kind yeah. of fuck. And it then look, you talk about that for the yeah. rest of your life. Like, yeah. 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 It would look hot and it would be a great story. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. My my second answer uh, is Andrew. And I just realized I cannot uh, pronounce his last name. And uh, I'm not good at pronouncing things. Uh, Giada. Oh, Giada? Ags. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, we call him Ags in the paper boat team. So I'm like, Ags. who the fuck is Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> um, he just guested on Force Friends Rewatch oh, yeah. and was a ton of fun to have. And we talked about the baby Yoda. But Andrew has such a calming aura. I was, okay, wait, but for real, I was thinking Andrew, too, and I was like, I can't, no. Sorry, go ahead. I I genuinely feel like he could, like, talk the monster into being a goodie, Mm -hmm. and then I could hug the the monster, and I could hug Andrew. Andrew's great at hugs, so. I absolutely. And he might bring Bear, and I miss Bear. Your mind (laughs) fucking third eye blasted open, like, that's (laughs) dick. Like I was I also want to be better friends with him. I've played like two board games with him and he he's just really cool. What I so love about bond, monster hunting. What I love about Ags is like when we started being friends, I was like, oh, I don't know if we're like friends or if I'm just like a lot of things when I started working on Cryptic Keeper, um, you know, rest in peace. Um but uh I was like, I don't know if you guys are actually my friends. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, ah yeah, I'm doing I'm doing audio and it's chill. And so um, X was the one that I was like, I don't know you the most. And so Christmas this year came around and we've been doing losers and I made um, everyone a playlist in losers. And I literally wrote on the playlist. I was like, I don't know you super well, but I do get this vibe of like just wanting to be everyone's friend and being really nice and being sweet and like being very kind. 
And X was like, this is so nice. And I was like, oh, are we friends now? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And now we're friends. And this morning I texted him a video of a Chikorita getting, well, not a real one, but like a fake Chikorita getting the shit beat out of it. Yeah, famously real Chikorita. Yeah, the famously real Chikorita. Mm, yummy. Gets the shit beat out of it. Um, no, it was like, mo- you know, the mochis. Some someone made a TikTok where they were holding a chikorita and then pretended to like drop it, and then like the other half of the duet was like those guys like pounding mochi. You know how like they pound a bunch of mochi mm. to make it like rubbery. Mm. Yes, yeah, and the yeah, guy yeah. was like chikorita or not chikorita. What's the other one? I don't know. It's fine. I fucked this all up. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about this show. Yes! Now let's that, talk about this uh, show. Now that we've talked about Monster Hunter. We watched uh, three episodes of this show, the final three episodes of season one. Uh, and you know I gotta ask it. Uh, hey, Evan. Wait. Yes, no, we don't do oh, this uh, yet. Uh, recap. Uh, we don't do this yet. Recap first. Okay. I'm Whatever. ready. Do the recap. I'm ready. I'm out of sorts. Va- Valding pending is, Four is pages like really throwing me off. Look, the only way to sort this show out is to write four pages of notes. I've condensed it more than that. It's Jim. not four pages. It's, uh, um, all right. Episode seven. It is entitled Smell of Success. Uh, so a scientist dies when the scratch and sniff book that she and her mentor have been developing explodes in her face. Her boss, her mentor, is a smell scientist, and he suspects that a different smell scientist, there's probably a word for this, I don't know it. A different smell scientist, a scientist who likes smells, uh, is the one to blame. The rival smell scientist works in the sewers and likes weird smells, whereas the smell scientist who wrote this book, the one that exploded, uh, lives in like a hermetically sealed building with only good smells because he thinks that bad smells impact your personality and mental health and stuff. So Ned, Emerson, and Chuck start investigating, and two more people close to the smell scientist die in alarming accidents, and the sewer smell scientist happens to be nearby, so they have reason to suspect him. But then finally, Ned and Emerson get trapped and nearly blown up in the decontamination room that the book-writing smell scientist has But while they're stuck there, he monologues at them and reveals that he arranged all of these these deaths as an elaborate publicity stunt for his book. Um, But Ned and Emerson get rescued by Olive and Chuck and the sewer guy, the sewer smell guy. Um, Episode eight is called Bittersweets. A candy store opens across the street from the pie shop. The candy shop owner is super, super weird and competitive and wants to run Ned out of business. So she and her weird, squirrely little brother pay off a health inspector to do a surprise inspection. He finds all of Ned's pre-resurrected rotted fruit. He's got like a room of rotted fruit that he then resurrects with his necromancy powers and then uses that in the pies. But he has just all this rotted fruit lying around. So health inspector finds it, shuts him down. Olive and Chuck, who they're they're getting to be better and better friends at this point. Every episode, they're like getting closer together as friends and accomplices. Uh, they try to frame the candy shop by releasing a bunch of rats in there so that 
they'll get run out of business when they get health inspected. But Ned doesn't like to play dirty, so he goes to collect the rats that Ned and Chuck released, and he finds the weird squirrely little brother dead in a vat of pink candy goo. Uh, the sister and some cops turn up, Ned is arrested, and then Chuck and Olive and Emerson have to solve this the old-fashioned way, because Ned's in jail. They figure out that it was the health inspector that the candy shop owners paid off who had killed the weird little brother. He was The health inspector was blackmailing the candy shop owners because it's illegal to pay off a health inspector, obviously, to run your competitors out of business. So he was trying to shake them down for more money, and there was an altercation, and the dude, the weird little squirrely brother dude, fell in the candy vat and died. Crucially, also, near the end of this episode, Ned confesses to Chuck that he accidentally killed her dad back when he didn't know how his powers worked. Episode 9 is called Corpsicle. Uh, This episode is mostly dealing with the fallout from Chuck learning that Ned killed her dad. She knows it wasn't his fault, but she's still having a hard time coping with this realization, and she can't talk to anyone about it because... One, no one can know she's alive because she was resurrected and no one can know about Ned's powers so she can't explain what happened and why she's upset about it. So she starts forming a weird sort of bond with the sewer smell scientist guy from episode seven uh, who claims that he detects a weird smell on her and Digby. Digby has also been resurrected, you will recall, and he started like following them and putting some pieces together to figure out why they share this weird smell. So Chuck thinks maybe she can confide in the smell sewer guy because he already sort of knows what's going on. He's already sort of figured it out on his own. Uh, In the meantime, Ned and Emerson investigate why insurance adjusters keep dying. They're all found frozen, which is where the title of the episode comes in. Uh, There's an angry little child who needs a heart transplant, and they think that his mother is killing the insurance adjusters um, because they keep denying him and then dying. But it turns out that a a chipper lady from the... They can't use the phrase, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, but that's what it is. It's the, like, wish a wish a dream or something, they call it. But it's it's the chipper lady from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, who has never failed to make a child happy before, was frustrated by her inability to make this angry little boy happy. So she decided to fulfill the only wish she had, which was for the insurance adjusters to drop dead. Uh, Then the make-a-wish lady, when they confront her, attempting to murder another insurance adjuster, gets hit by a car driven by a monkey. Bobo! monkey. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm so excited and- to talk about Bobo! Continue. <laughs> um, so she she is killed by a car driven by a monkey, and they take her heart and put it in this angry little boy, and then I don't know if he's less angry, but he's not dying now. He was smiling during the procedure, so... Okay, well, he still just seems like kind of... He's kind of got a bad attitude. But anyway, he's going to live now, and that's good, even if he's an asshole. Assholes also deserve to live, generally speaking. Well done, babe. Thanks. That's I know clapping is bad audio, so I'll do a golf clap. 
<laughs> just a a gentle meaty clap, you know, not a a sharp mm-hmm. loud clap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clap clap. Uh so we watched three of these. We watched three episodes of Pushing Daisies is what the show is called, and you know I gotta ask it. Uh hey Andy. Hey Ronnie. These three episodes of Pushing Daisies, did they work for you? These three episodes did. I like this show. We didn't hey, get Evan. high and watch it. We said we were going to. And we you said yeah. you were going to do that. There's always next season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, Evan. Yeah, Ronnie. You you watched them totally sober. These three episodes, did did you enjoy them? I did. They were great. They're still great. I haven't had a, a bad experience with this show yet. Hey, Val. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> these these three episodes of ABC's Pushing Daisies, do they work for oh, you? Dang it. I watched the whole thing. So just the three. Oh. <laughs> um I yes. Uh I have problems with some of them, but for the most part, yes. Excellent, excellent. And I can get into that, but we we will. Yeah. We, oh, we'll we will. Do Don't it. worry. Hey Ronnie. Hey yeah. Did these three episodes of pushing vows <laughs> work for you. Uh, yes, yes, they did. Um, uh, maybe not as much as the rest of them, but not. Yeah, not. Well, we'll we'll get into that. Wow, wow, wow! Audience, you can't see. Some vul- there's some vulgar of uh, things going on. I don't I don't want to gaslight the audience, but also I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> More, I think that's you- gaslighting me. <laughs> do we want to do we want to address the sex doll sized elephant in the room? And that there was like way harder kink stuff in these episodes. Yeah, than- they've all been a little bit. We- so I didn't even like mention the sex doll thing in the summary because it was like. Just so, yeah. like it was so like tangential to right the plot, but yeah, I sort of assumed that like the the kink stuff that existed in prior episodes was sort of maybe a joke, but probably mostly an accident. Um, yeah, there's no way that this was this yeah. was absolutely a sex doll thing. The the way <laughs> I described it to Val was what we were talking about was like the wholesome ways that Ned and and Chuck still have physical connection that would be completely fetishy in any other way. Right. Uh, high fetish, high blatant fetish. Right. Yeah, they call it a um a, a carpooling doll, like like for using the HOV lane when you're carpooling. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's just a sex doll though. The prop they use is just a sex doll. <laughs> I I had I jerked previously that it felt kind of like Brian Fuller doing a Chris Claremont, where in like classic uh 70s through 90s Chris Claremont X-Men, uh you kind of figure out all of Chris Claremont's like strange fetishes because uh sometimes more blatantly than other times, they just show up on the pages in weird supervillain traps and and whatnot. Uh, but this wasn't even like subtle at that point. It was just uh, extremely out there. Mm-hmm. 
it's I like, gotta assume, so... It was like that time Magneto turned the X-Men into uh, the the motor skills of babies and had them all in diapers, and it was like, Chris Claremont, what you, what you doing here, buddy? What you doing? <laughs> well, you, you, you know, <laughs> What's this about? Yeah, like you were kind of mentioning, like, throughout the whole show, there's these, like, hints of sort of sexualized, you know, there's a lot of weird, like, sexuality things. And I think it's interesting because I know a lot of times when Brian Fuller, you know, discusses the show, he's like, oh, a lot of the relationship between Ned and Chuck, you know, is about, like, gay relationships and queer relationships, especially, like, in the 80s when, you know, the AIDS crisis was happening in America. So I'm sure there is, like, an element of, sex and sexuality in the show but yeah it was like pushing it a little far there (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man making an allegory for the AIDS crisis that's great put it in a whole ass I I would never have picked picked up on that to be honest it makes perfect sense like thinking about it I'm connecting all the dots and I'm like oh yeah they have to like they have to pretend that Chuck doesn't exist and they can never touch each other. Yeah. And, uh, like they can't tell anybody. They have to like deal with all these problems. Yeah. It, it totally, it totally makes sense. It tracks. It, it tracks yeah. all, all right. the things yeah. line up. So I do not doubt that he did that deliberately, but I'm just a little bit mind blown right now. Mm-hmm. S- speaking mm-hmm. back to X-Men, it is more subtle than the legacy virus. Mm, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like, Okay, full disclosure for anyone who's listening. The reason I bullied myself onto this podcast is actually because I used to run a um, a Pushing Daisies review podcast with my current roommate, who we make fun of Josh Sweden with Josh Sweden, Josh peed in the pool. Um, but uh, we used to we actually became closer friends because we did a review podcast called Plucking Daisies, where a Pushing Daisies review podcast where we go episode by episode and have our friends on and talk about each episode. Um, so we got like really into kind of like where Brian Fuller's head was at, especially during the times of, and you get this more in the second season of like the writer strike and like what, how he was coming to it as a gay man and like, like where he was coming from with, um, I keep wanting to call it dead, but delicious. Uh, the other, what's the show called? <laughs> <laughs> what's it called oh, animal no animal? no no that should oh. be called dead but delicious uh brian fuller may loved it may's gonna kick my ass may's my roommate um the alaska show the is it that we covered no oh dead like me dead like me and wonderfalls are the two ah. yeah um but uh you know, there's a lot of conversation about like death in his work and also being queer in his work. Um, but yeah, like is Brian Fuller gay. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Fuller. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Brian Fuller is an openly gay man. Um, as far as I'm aware, unless he retracted that, don't know why. <laughs> no, I just like, in spite of loving the works of Brian Fuller, I had never done any actual personal research on the man. I just so. assumed he was straight because I saw an interview where he said he didn't realize he was making Hannibal and Will Graham gay. And like, honey, that's interesting because, okay, I promise we'll get back to pushing daisies. However, I just, no, we can talk about whatever you want to. <laughs> I just saw a video today that was like, that said like, oh, like he, he truly, even though he is a gay man and he's in, he's been in a, re- a long-term relationship, 
uh, with another man, he truly had no intention, like, to perp, like, to make Will and Hannibal like a sexual relationship. And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm. It's he all, just can't. He just can't help himself. It just creeps in. Yeah. Now. It's all Mads Mickelson. Yeah. Mads Mickelson is just as sexual chemistry with anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. And I don't, you know, I think maybe there is like a subconscious, like, I don't want to say like, I'd hate to say he's falling into a trope of being like a gay man and making like hypersexualized gay characters or anything like that. But he definitely, you know, is exploring parts. I I feel like, um, I can't say for sure, but I feel like part of his relationship with the media that he creates is exploring his um, sexuality and, you know, his interests as well. Or maybe throughout the other writers as well. uh, I don't want to like get too like hmm, Freudian trying to figure out this well, man, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I, I I will say that for queer people who were too young to have lived through the AIDS epidemic, I don't think we can ever fully understand how that affected the generation before us. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there there is an entire generation that isn't here anymore. Mm hmm. Um, I recently started following a, uh, Instagram called the, uh, the AIDS Memorial Mm -hmm. and just people like submit pictures and write up, uh, little, little memorials for friends they lost to AIDS and just to try and get some perspective on it because I like, it's not like that shit was taught to me in school. Right. Um, but yeah, that would affect you in a really big and personal way and all of a sudden this exploration of these two characters who love each other but can't touch at all uh it's very eye-opening to realize that that's kind of where his head was at um while he was writing it so that's very very insightful yeah and i think it's there's even a level there too and you know, I uh, like I don't know where Lee Pace was at in terms of uh, his sexuality and coming to terms with that. Um, if that was something he already kind of knew or was still figuring out. But I think there's something cool in that piece, too, where you're a gay man and you're playing this and portraying this character who is in the context of the show a heterosexual. But like in the context of where it's being written from is a story about being queer and this kind of forbiddenness of that time. Um, And I think that's so cool. Like looking back, I think that's one of my favorite parts is just having those two be a part of it. I don't know. (sighs) Also like Ned in the show is written as straight, but he is so coded. Oh my God. Right queer yeah so heavily heavily the pie shop the like slightly neurotic personality the 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 weird thing where uh olive is like pursuing him all the time and he's like nope 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 just like (laughs) running running around yeah absolutely absolutely um but um i do want to talk about something that's very important to me in this chunk of episodes if you don't mind um sure Mm -hmm. please do Raul Esparza plays Alfredo <laughs> Alfredson, and he is the love of my life. <gasps> Me and Val talked offline about this, and yeah, yeah I mean, we, I, I, I don't know how I missed talking about uh, Raul Esparza the first time it came around. Oh, 
Um, but, Which character yes. is this? Um, he's the the medicinal guy who's like kind of in love with Olive. That, oh, uh, he's very cute. That, that the yes. snake oil salesman. Yeah. That whole yeah. and I think it's in. Um, if it's not bittersweets, it's got to be corpsicle. Um, where he does this monologue, and he's like, she's, she's Olive's like. Olive's like, oh, like, what would you do, like, if you know, if you were with me or whatever? And he does this. I, I like what I remember, in, like, when we were rewatching it in 2018. I would just like listen to that monologue because I was so <laughs> like, oh, it was like, oh, it's the sweetest, softest. What a great character! And I love Raul Esparza. He just hits every role so hard that he takes on like incredible actor. I know he's only in like literally two episodes of Pushing Daisies, but I love him. <sighs> Very good. He returns to the Fullerverse in Hannibal, which is what I knew him from. <laughs> and he gets nasty. He, he turns into everyone's favorite little nasty boy in Hannibal, and I love that. My dude just oh. leans right into the nasty, nasty boy energy in Hannibal. But um, I do, I and that's what's fun too about uh, Brian Fuller works is that you see a lot of the same folks, you know, throughout his cast. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> he is in a hundred and seventeen episodes of Law and Order. Yeah, Special he plays Raphael Barba. He's the ADA, and he's the love of my fucking life. Uh, <laughs> If you need more Raul Esparza, there's 117 listen, episodes of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Listen, he plays Rafael Barba. He is an ADA. I do not condone watching like copaganda shows. However, however, <laughs> it is like second episode. He lets the the he's like the guy who's on trial is like a murderer and he strangles women. So what Raul Esparza does to like prove it is he puts a belt around his neck and then he like puts the belt in this guy's hand to let and then like starts pissing him off. I don't want to get to the you gotta say PG thirteen, but I'll send you the link later. It's <laughs> like fuck we do we can talk about whatever we want on our I podcast. gotta say PG-13 yeah, this is not a PG-13 I work for Disney okay, you I gotta to, okay. say PG-13 sure 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 Ice-T is in 471 Ice-T. episodes how are you not aware Ice-T of that is, no, Ice-T is, is the main character I am, yeah. I'm sorry what the fuck so- is this sorry to Christopher Maloney and Mariska Hargitay but Ice-T is the main character of Law and Order SVU fuck everyone else um I actually spent around the same time that I was watching all of Pushing Daisies again. I did spend most of 2018 obsessed with three things. Pushing Daisies, uh, the musical Be More Chill, which has nothing to do with any of this. And then um, Law and Order SVU. And I know, I know, propaganda shows. Um, I was still kind of learning about how that like affects you. And kind of at the time I was like, ah, I don't know. But ro- like... If you can find clips of Raul Esparza, he's just like fast talking, wearing a suit, smart ass, super oh, love of my life. Love of my life. Bonk- bonkers to me that there's like a cop one piece out there. It's, that's live it's cop action. one piece. It's absolutely cop one piece. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for, for, for some context for the, the less musically theater inclined of, please, of us, uh, Raul Esparza is also a huge Broadway. Yes, he is. Um, um, he got his b- big time, always doing sexy. I stuff. feel like he got his name really in company. 
Um, I could be wrong about that, yeah. but like, I feel like company was the first, uh, big, big part that he had and he played the leading role in company. Um, and you know, Rose Sparza, if I'm incorrect about that, you can personally come to my apartment and my house. He's bisexual. So I, you know, I'm right down the middle, baby. Like Perfect. it's, it's fine. <laughs> I'm fluid. It's good. You can have the best of both worlds. Hannah Montana style, baby. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Val can fill all your needs, Raul Esparza. Yeah, Raul Esparza, hit me up. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we should probably. I like, I like your presumption that he listens to this podcast. Raul Esparza, we'll be, uh... when you listen to this podcast, not if, when. Oh, right. and the, okay, no. We're starting a change.org petition for Raul Esparza <laughs> to make Val Patron's dreams come true. Make my dreams come true, baby. I saw you in chess, the musical. <laughs> I see you. Mm. Anyway, um, well, we should probably get back to the show, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we, we we at length talked about Lee Pace uh, not Lee Pace Sebastian Stan at the end of last episode so yeah. this is Sebastian this is Stan's on not even in this fucking no, show no he's yeah. not even in this show uh, but his his butt was on Instagram when we recorded and yeah. it was very it's distracting so topical I love that the energy that that yeah. brings I, right I would love you know no I we can't get into this again we can't. We can't keep doing this. We'll do a, a, just a oh. cycle. But um, yeah, and I feel like I want to go back. I do want to say that um, the first time I ever watched uh, Pushing Daisies was when I was a kid. Um, uh, you know, I say kid, maybe like preteen. I hate to date myself, but I am a little guy, simply. Um, and I started watching this, which I probably shouldn't have. And I just remember it being very like Seussian and very cool um, mm-hmm. for the time that it was on. And um, I vividly specifically remember Bittersweets um, because of like that candy store aesthetic, because of everything going on. I remember when he gets like sucked into the vat and they're like trying to like, sneak that in. Goop. Hmm? That that pink goopy goop like the texture of that goop was truly sublime you can't forget that like like it it, it it's such a like and i feel like this whole show i feel like for sure more in the first season um is such like a punch in the face with the color and the aesthetics and these like elements of fantasy and fun um you know it, it's such a wonderful show it read like there's definitely problems there. I don't know if you had hit the, um, there's a, a like a handful of racist things and yeah. 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 Brian Fuller's never been really good at like dealing with race in his work. I feel like I'm like, dude, just hire like a nice five staff, like, or at least at the very minimum, like someone to double check your work. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah. like, and I, you know, I feel like he, he does, put emerson in this really shitty place a lot and i don't think that's fair um but for the most part i think it's a really cool beautiful little story you know i think uh tim tim burton is a twerp and uh i don't i don't like his work um if if anyone listening does that's that's fine you can like it that's that's all right this is not a personal attack on you it is a personal attack on Tim Burton, though. I will fight him in a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. I wish you would. If he gives me the chance. I wish you would. Um, but I, it's amazing to me that, like, 
Tim Burton took off as this like milk toast, but like edgy reputation when like Brian Fuller's work is right there and it's magical and weird and twisted and dark, but beautiful and mm-hmm. hopeful, but scary, but yeah. it's- every show he do he does is so extremely stylized many of them in very different ways. Like the stylization of pushing daisies is dramatically different than the weird stylization of Hannibal, but they're both very surreal shows. Mm -hmm. And one of my biggest complaints on ending pending constantly is that like every show is so boring. All of these shows we watch are so boring. Get weird, get weird. And like this, this is exactly that we watched uh, wonderfalls too a while back and i that was like the proto pushing daisies in my opinion he hadn't quite gotten the the mix of stylized elements that worked but uh, slightly he's, more he's, racist as well i was gonna say also, he really nailed also, the racism early yes it is more racist um but pushing daisies is really in my opinion when he started leaning hard into the extreme stylism and also that's when it started like working for him Mm -hmm. when he really like embraced it and went, went for it. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. And like, that's um, like Brian Fuller is such an interesting kind of character because he does like constantly try to, um, I feel like he constantly tries to like one up himself and like kind of work with production designers and a team that works in different ways. Like, cause I remember, um, you know, on this podcast I used to have, um, we would talk a lot about the production design and, uh, like visually versus like what was written. And like, even in terms of like the team that he works with and like the stuff that he's writing, like, he he kind of keeps these same folks or he tries to keep like a handful of folks and they're always growing and really bringing something cool to the table. Um, I did watch one or two episodes of American Gods as well, which is something he worked on at first and now is no longer a part of. Um, and like, even then, like it was just so so different from, you know, from shows like he had originally like this dead like dead like me and wonder falls and pushing daisies and it's like it's kind of like you're playing with um uh like one of those sliders in like a video game where it's like one side is just, like really dramatic and dark and edgy and the other side is like dr seuss presents my fun little happy town and he just kind of messes around and slides it all over the place with different shows that he does um I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh. <laughs> he is not afraid yeah. to max out the sliders in both directions. Right, right. You, and you can make a Susian show about necromancy and a, a cannibal show about love. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's very, you know, and like, it's, uh, and I, I can't remember if this was something we I read or something that um, we kind of came to a conclusion of, but like, Brian Fuller also was, like I said, a gay man who was raised uh, Roman Catholic. And I think that's very fascinating because you, when you, I don't know what everyone's religions here are, but I feel like Roman Catholic, baby. (laughs) (laughs) 
But like with Roman Catholicism, because I was also raised Roman Catholic, there is this grand anxiety about death. And they emphasize that so much. It's so scary. Um, and like, that's kind of a theme. And, and I, you know, I've read American Gods and that's not necessarily like, I mean, spoiler alert, people do die. Um, but like, that's kind of a theme is like talking about death and having these conversations about death. Um, except for Wonderfalls, which is just like about them being by Niagara Falls. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but like, you know, I think that's so like interesting that he, he kind of takes all these different perspectives and continues to grow and change. Ugh, sorry. American God season one is very good. Uh, I believe that's before Brian Fuller got removed. Right. And then uh, like a bunch of racist stuff happened once he was no longer there. Uh, the, the cast has been very outspoken about it and it's, it's shitty. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think we, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I was just saying, I think we watched like the first two episodes of season two, but it just didn't grab us the same way. And so we just kind of yeah. stopped watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say with American Gods, I watched like one or two episodes of season one. Um, I read American Gods and I, you know, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like my exact cup of tea. I'm much, I was telling JV this the other day. Um, JV, I'm sure friend of the pod. Um, but, um, yep, yep. But I was just telling JV the other day that um, there's this kind of pseudo sequel called The Nancy Boys that's really fucking good. Mm -hmm. And it's just about Mr. Nancy's sons. And like, it's it's awesome. It's cool. And I wish they made a movie or a TV show about that. Um, but, uh, you know, American Gods, I, I don't I, I try not to in my later years, I try not to fuck too much with like people who are claiming that they're like shit on set is not straight like just like or that sounded bad i <laughs> what i meant was people <laughs> on set being fucking assholes <laughs> um yeah yeah so anyway um but back to the lee pace of verse i have a question for all of you if you, if I have you an answer. Um, um um and you can go however order you would like um, as of right now, do you have a favorite character in the show and who is it and why? Um, I identify deeply with Lee Pace's character in this show. Deeply neurotic, just wants to be left alone to make pies. Oh. Uh, doesn't want to be around people. Doesn't want anybody knowing what's up with him in his private life. Um, loves his dog. Oh, hell yeah. Can't touch his dog. Loves his dog. Yeah, and also, like, I would be lying if I said I was not influenced by the fact that I fucking love Lee Pace. He's a beautiful man. Every time his face comes on the screen, I do an exclamation, just an involuntary, ah, uh, look his face. <laughs> his, his face is so beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I also identify with Ned very much in this show because I, too, am an introvert just desperately wants to be left alone so I can pursue my extremely specific interests and not touch or interact with other people. <laughs> I love that. Yay. <laughs> who's next? Evan, you get to pick who's next. Ronnie seemed like he had an answer. I mean, it's Chris, it's Chris so. and Janowith. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's Olive. Um, 
uh, we, we had talked about it last time, like the fleshing out of like Olive as having like this former life and like a full like fledged character outside of just being like love interest uh, was super cool. I noticed in this episode she has a uh, cross stitch pillow on her bed that says horse lovers are stable people. Have we? Which that's I, I was going to point out all of her horse paraphernalia in her house. She has horse printed pajamas and horse printed. It's so like, good. Cover, uh, um, uh, duvet. And like, I think she has horse printed wallpaper. She just has like horse paraphernalia all over her apartment. It's so good. She's so good. She just likes to have a little um, thing, you know? Yeah. Um, she, I mean, she, it, it, it does not hurt that Kristen Chenoweth is hilarious. And, you know, a little bit of a goblin. I'll give it that. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, like my, 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 my concern when listening to these episodes or watching these episodes first with, with Annie Evan is like, do we, how do we feel about Kristen? Ch- you know nothing about, like, the stage presence of Kristen Chenoweth. How do we feel about Kristen Chenoweth? And like, I think that's part of her appeal is that she's this tiny, tiny woman who's like a little bit grating, but in like a way that I find really appealing. Um, And she's very down to earth, despite the fact that she like completely has her head in the clouds constantly. Um, And and she's and through all of it, she's really like into pushing these pies out the door. She's she's she's, you know. Whatever she does, she gives it her all. She's the best at it, and uh, and she and she's just great. She 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 meshes in with every group that like is on screen far better than you would expect her to. Whether it's Fredo, whether it's like the the Mystery Ink team, whether it's the the ants, like she just kind of like slots in there and is like an instant like livening up to the to the chemistry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite character. Um, I'm kind of here for just like the world. I don't know if I have a favorite, maybe Emerson. Um, because I, I always appreciate a character who, uh, kind of realizes that they are in a trope and they don't want to be like, Mm -hmm. Jack Flag in the Abnet and Landing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy run is always complaining that he has to deal with space stuff and he's not here for the cosmic stuff. He just wants to be at home on Earth fighting crime, but he's stuck with all this alien bullshit. <laughs> and I love that. It's very uh, charming. And for Emerson to be like, no, I don't want to be in this like romance story. Like I'm here to solve crime and I don't. I don't want this weird drama bullshit. Like I just want to self crime and make money and do my job. And uh, I love that. He's not a cop. I love that. He's a private eye. Right, so. Right. Yeah. Val. Val. Yeah. Val. Who's, who's, who, who's um, your favorite? Andy was supposed to pick. It's Andy's choice. Oh, oh I'm sorry. It's my choice. Yeah. Fuck you, Ronnie. Um, Ooh, uh, Evan, go again. No, Val. <laughs> no, I want Val, Evan to favorite? go again. No, um, still gonna be Lee Pace. <laughs> I could listen to you talk about how hot Lee Pace is all night. <laughs> um, out of the like core cast, well, it's funny. I don't know if I choose anyone from the core cast, and I'm not gonna choose Raul Esparza. I promise. Um. 
<laughs> but I would probably choose um, uh, the ants because I think they're they're just so fun. You know, they have such interesting, you know, like, the, like, I can't remember who was saying it, but the women have such interesting backstories on this show. Like, I do feel like Chuck falls a little bit into the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which is just, you know, unfortunate, sure. like mm-hmm. the unfortunate kind of sign of the times. But also, like, I kind of like seeing Chuck, like, Ramona Flowers also fits that. And I like Chuck more than her. I like Chuck probably the most out of any Manic Pixie Dream Girl, if I had to pick. Um, I will say that she has more reason to be one because the fact that she realized she had lived a very average, boring right. life and wasn't happy and then died. Yeah. And now she life. gets to like, yeah. Who, who wouldn't be a little manic under those circumstances? <laughs> Let's be real. Just a little, fun little mania, you know? It's just I can forgive it a little bit because of that. <laughs> right. Like, and I, I think that's what makes her like a really fascinating and good character. Um. But I do feel like um, like Vivian and Lily are both really just like fun and cool. And you get a lot of really cool stuff with Lily um, in season two and like stuff like her relationship with Chuck and stuff. Like I, I find that so like fascinating. Did plucking daisies figure out if their sisters are married? They're sisters. Um, and Boo. if you want to... <laughs> Skip ahead if you don't want a spoiler. <laughs> um, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, so my, I'm plucking daisies. May and I actually theorized that they were originally season one. They were written as like lesbians. And then the network said no, essentially. And that's kind of the theory that they we They seemed to go to some length to keep it ambiguous. Right. And I well, have to assume somebody... I I don't have any additional information on this, but it very much does seem like a situation where one person was pushing from one direction and another person was pushing from another direction. And so they just never really clarified. But we do like this. This is not to say that um, uh, like lesbians can't produce children. Oh, right, and right. Occasionally like have sex with men. It does happen like. Mm-hmm. Gay people sometimes have sex with people of the opposite sex. It just right. it just happens because yeah. of society. But uh, we do get that bombshell at the very end that um, the one aunt is actually Chuck's mother. Right. So And yeah. And so like that's the thing is so they're sisters um, because Lily was Chuck's biological mother. Um, but Vivian was engaged to Chuck's father. Mm-hmm. And which kind of gets weird because it's like, well, if Vivian was engaged to Chuck's father, then wouldn't Vivian just be like her mom? You know, <laughs> like, why doesn't right. she call her mom? And then like, there's a whole thing with Lily and like, it's just like a very interesting kind of breakdown of the relationship. But, you know, uh, May and I talked about like a few times where we felt like this was an initially at the get go written to be um, uh, like they're two like lesbians kind of also raising this child together. But um, that being said, 
uh, it like because they ended up as sisters and they still raised, you know, their child and, you know, this is all like a fictional world. Like it, you know, I, I don't know if it was like people weren't ready for that or I don't know why we were kind of like trying to figure it out and work through it, but we just wanted them to date and not like in a weird way. Like if they weren't sisters, we would want them to date. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like written wise, but they're, Mm-hmm. I'm happy, you know. I don't think it was a terrible thing that they wound up to be sisters, and that Charles, um, who's Chuck's father, was like playing them both essentially. Um, I think you know how this is written now is fine. Um, but yeah, could have been plus. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't want to sound like I'm advocating for. Like, I just want to be explicitly clear: incest <laughs> is terrible. I do not advocate that in a fiction or nonfiction setting. Just want to be clear. It could have been written different, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's people people made the decisions about whether to make these people related or not. This is this yes. is not just a, a random thing that occurred right. in nature by coincidence. No, somebody decided like, oh, they're either going to be sisters or lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> We're really just digging ourselves into a hole in this one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> people know what we mean. People yeah, on the I internet hope. are surely not going to take anything we say. In bad faith, ever. And, ever. uh, ever. I'm Timmy Turner, and I stole from my mom's purse. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, a random positive I have is I liked that the, the, the little, little child who was sick was just allowed to be, like, in a bad mood. Like, oh, so I- often, like... Sure. Like kids who are sick, or I mean, anyone who is sick is is shown to kind of be like this perfect martyr, or like this this perfect example of someone who um like has an illness or has a disability, and they're the 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 like pristine example of it. And like, no, this kid is fucking sick. He knows he's going to die, and he doesn't want you to give him presents or to take him on a vacation. He wants you to give him health health care. Right. Give me health care, you fucking rat bastard in a suit, or get the fuck out. If you're not going to solve my goddamn problem, get the fuck out. And, like, he he's portrayed as, like, kind of, like, tongue-in-cheekily, like, oh, like, Timmy just has a, a bad attitude. But, like, no, Timmy's right. Give him goddamn health care right. in this hellhole country <laughs> or get the fuck out. And I, yeah. I, I really liked that. Yeah. You don't see enough kids who <laughs> who are just going through hell. No. Um, but, like, truly, like, you know, you see a lot of this kind of perpetual, like, oh, the sweetest cat. We need to take care of this child and blah, blah, blah. They're so kind. And, yeah, it's like, I, I like the realness of that, realistically. Like, there's probably a lot of kids who are fucking depressed about the sh- situations that they're in right now so <laughs> I, uh, I thought the the dialogue where um, Emerson went to this angry young child's house to investigate what happened to these insurance adjusters and the kid was like oh what I'm gonna get up on my, my paper legs with my glass bones and kick him to death <laughs> what I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of my my chair and expect my my goop jello body to sustain me like <laughs> ah, 
I'm not quoting directly, but it was just a very good piece of dialogue that he had there. Where it was funny. Uh-huh. It was very funny. Ooh, there's some really just really fun writing in this show. It, mm-hmm. It's all, I mean, mm-hmm. some of it, like we were talking about, some of it's just like, hey, dude, maybe call, like bring that down to like a two uh, regarding like a sex doll or something along those lines. I don't know. Um, but, but like, there's some just like really sweet little moments and fun little moments. And like the wordplay is so good. It's like you're watching these little plays, you know? Mm-hmm. All of the names of characters and like, you know, the names of their business or their professions. Like, it's always, like, really, um, I'm totally blanking on the word, but the, like, it rhymes or it has, like, similar sounds it's in very it. very lyrical. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's mm-hmm. a good time. Yeah. And I it's mean, kind of out of, it's, it's, like, outside of time. Like, I, like, there were a couple episodes here where it was, like, between, like, the, like, very uh, New York, Brooklyn, Italian guys uh, having dinner together and also the um, uh, insurance adjusters who are wearing like, I'm going to work for the day in my 50s uh, car to my 50s job. Um, but like everyone else is kind of dressed just like it's modern day. Mm-hmm. It's just like it, it's kind of it. it, it well, also it's, that it's. That one woman lives in a windmill. She's like yeah. a, win- a windmill yeah. woman. <laughs> yeah. What is a windmill woman, pray tell? Is she a yeah. miller? Or does she just live in a windmill and that's her job? I do think about that um, that episode with the crash test dummy. Um, mm-hmm. With like how like aesthetically that looks so much like a 60s like car venue mm-hmm. place. Um, car venue. What the hell is that? You know what I mean. <laughs> car vendor. <laughs> the car venue. Car, you car know. showroom. Yeah. Yeah. Car showroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all like it's. It's just so fun. Yeah. It, it, it's mm-hmm. like it's just eye candy. Really. Like you could right. just even if you just like muted it, you could just watch it all day. I feel like unless you hate that sort of thing. But Lee Pace just always seems very like grounded somehow. Mm-hmm. Even though he's like completely, I I don't know. It, it, it's 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 weird how they do it, and I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. I think the narrator helps a lot. We've talked about that a couple of times. How how just like the narrator, you know, no no new notes. The narrator just continues to to be a good narrator, right? Which is hard to come by, right? Um, but like in this world of these like cartoon Tim Burtony villains and uh and and allies and stuff, it's just like. Yeah, I'm just I'm just Lee Pace making pies, just yeah. trying to make pie in my giant pie. Don't <laughs> I'm bother just me. Just a necromancer who makes pies. Please don't speak to or interact with me. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't speak to or interact with me. I don't like it. Um, I think I don't too like that it. I don't like it. I think it like helps too that like you know like I feel like some of the costume work is incredible, but I think like it's underrated that. We only ever see Ned in like the same outfits in these dark, out, mm-hmm. like Undertaker like outfits where he's with the black shirt and the white apron. Like it's the same thing. Like I feel like that is definitely a huge part in like grounding him in a sort of like place. Whereas everyone else is in these fantastical looks and fantasy world, like mm-hmm. having their fun little moments. And he's just like, huh? Okay. 
I guess. I was, trying, I was trying to imagine how Olive wound up with her pie hole uniform because I cannot imagine that Ned designed that uniform for her. <laughs> so I like I was developing a little headcanon as we were watching the last episode where like Ned hires her, presumably. Presumably she was very persistent about it and he didn't think he actually needed an employee. But anyway, she turns up, she insists on working there. He says, okay. She says, what's the uniform? And he's like, what are you talking about? We don't have a uniform. And she's like, you have to have a uniform. You have a themed pie restaurant. And he's like, I, I just, uh, you can wear what you want. And that's the uniform now. And so she just like makes up a uniform and decides that she needs to wear this green zipper mini skirt thing. And that's her pie hole uniform now. I love that. Uh, if I may add, you also have to remember that she probably saw ned and fell in love with him for a sight and was oh, like i want also, something yeah like you will I want... note hmm? Go ahead, sorry. you will note also that they both live in the apartment complex above the pie hole so <laughs> <laughs> she probably just saw him in the hallway and is like hey i'm gonna work at your pie shop now handsome man and she's like the zipper that's in front zips all the way down just in case <laughs> you would like to partake you know and their height difference like Oh, you love to see it. Girl, I understand. Like, their height difference is like those, 12 those, feet. <laughs> those shots had to be so difficult to frame. Mm -hmm. it, like, to get a shot that is close up enough to be a close up, but also wide enough that, like, you can get both of their heads in the same mm -hmm. shot. Fucking right. impossible. There's She's a lot of his height. It's oh, like King sorry. Shark and Constantine. It's <laughs> like, like, would it work? I don't know, but I'm happy for them. <laughs> but I think, you know, part of, and, and I'm sure this was acting too, but like, there's a lot of scenes where Lee Pace is like standing and he's like, like kind of like mm -hmm. bends himself and crouches himself over. And like, it kind of, you get this like awkward vibe from Ned, but I also traumatized. like, I, I'm also thinking like, maybe that was necessity just so he could fit in the frame with yes. <laughs> Kristen Chenoweth. <Yes>. <laughs> Lee Pace wanted to play that character much more jovially, and they're like, no, 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 slouch more. No, 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 yeah, slouch you gotta, more. No, you, no, just gotta, like, oh. you gotta slouch yourself down another foot or so. And of course, Kristen <laughs> Jenoweth, she's just like, her, she's stretching her neck as far as it can go from Jump yeah. Street, so <gasps> no, no notes needed. No notes needed. Um, yeah, I also just like that, like, as much as, like, this, they are playing in a world where we talked about before, like, I have such anxiety about, like, dead people and like like I, I am very much tapped into that catholic world of 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 uh scary the afterlife is not like something you should crave that's that's horrifying i crave um, death no sorry go ahead <laughs> um but it's just like, like that gives me so much anxiety and so like they're playing in the, with these like you know things that shall not be meddled with but like the stakes in general are just like so low in like a very comfortable way. Like Ned gets sent to jail for murder and it's like, yeah, but that's, it's not going to be a thing. Right. Like it's, it's like, there's, it's not like I, I get like a little anxious and then I'm like, no, 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 it's, 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 it's better than it's just a TV show. It's like, it's just a TV show. And like, this is no thing. Like this is, this is, the, this is going to be all fine. The murderer has the heroes at gunpoint. Don't worry. Bobo the monkey is here to save the day. <laughs> and, and don't feel bad because the, the murderer also just wanted the sick boy to get a heart and now they can use her heart. So she is fulfilled as well. And it's, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah. Also, that yeah. monkey was not a bonobo. Can I just point out? I'm pretty sure no. it was a capuchin. He, well, his name was Bobo, though. Yeah. That's no, but right, they though. said they said Bobo the bonobo. Like that's in the beginning, right. they called him. Evan a bonobo was very monkey. upset about. I this. was. I was angry about it. I I just no 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 I just googled it on the Pushing Daisies wiki. It does say Bobo is not played by a bonobo. Bonobos are apes, not monkeys, and as such are tailless and much larger than Bobo. And that's all that says about Bobo <laughs> on the wiki. Listen, we did have we did. I can't remember, remember exactly. And, and Bobo scrolls through like what the fuck? I've been working out. I've been doing my best. Um, I do remember for Plucking Daisies this episode that we reviewed. Uh, we called it. We need to talk about Bobo. And we were just so, we were just ragging on this poor guy. Like, we needed to have a, we had to talk about Bobo. And, like, at the end of it, we were very polite about this little friend, this little monkey. Um, But we were so, there's, like, so much. May I? Um, On the Wikipedia page for Bobo, what I just said was half of the Wikipedia page. This is the first half. Bobo is... A bonobo monkey, oh, in the story, a bonobo monkey owned by Madeline McLean. Just like George, he is very curious. His curiosity led to the death of his owner when he ran over her with a car. And that's everything I just said is all that's on Bobo's page on the uh, Pushing Daisies wiki. I like the implication of a relationship between Bobo and George of Curious George. I know! We were like, why does it say just like George? He is very curious! Like, what does that mean? What is the implication there? Like, I mean, and then you we could have argue to... that all, all primates are very curious. That's just a part of their nature. Why why draw this parallel? I, You know what? I'm, I'm feeling myself go back to 2018 because I did the exact same thing I'm doing now. I'm going to the IMDP page for Corpsicle <laughs> To look up the name of this monkey, I was like hunting it down, like, but not in like a real way. Uh, that don't hunt. I mean, hunt animal. I don't know my stance on hunting animals. Uh, this is a weird time to address it. But um, uh, let's see. What was the monkey's name? Oh, they didn't credit it. That's why. This is such. I remember this now. This is such bullshit. Oh, I'm that monkey's sorry. Monkey's a goddamn artist. I'm having so much. <sighs> I was very Maybe proud of the go. monkey. Yeah. I like that it drove a car. That's fun. That is fun. I wish more monkeys drove, drove cars. You know? How's the vibe in the room tonight? He had friends? a little diaper, too. <laughs> he I did. I like his little so- diaper. It was like when Magneto captured the X-Men. Yeah, that's what I thought. Do you know how they got out? Storm Storm picked the locks because part of her mutation is that when she was an infant, she had the full dexterity as of an adult. I love that so fucking much. (laughs) And she had lockpick she has lockpicks in her hair because she was a a street thief in Cairo before she was uh, Storm. And so, even though all of the X-Men have the dexterity of infants, when Storm was an infant, she had the full dexterity of an adult. I Chris Claremont, idea. everyone. I love the idea that the uh, that all the X-Men have forever had the dexterity of infants, except for Storm. Like, that's just the permanent, the permanent debuff of their life. They have all these superpowers, but their dexterity blows. It's just awful. <laughs> 
I can't decide if that's more or less weird than Nightcrawler having two dicks. That's that's just science. That that just checks out 100%. I we got more musical like opportunities, more more opportunities for the what will hopefully sometime become Pushing Daisies the musical. <gasps> yeah, I can't um, believe it hasn't been isn't it made into wild? a musical. It's right there. It's right there. We, there's already music got, in it. There's music in it. We got and there's like you can't walk two steps without stepping in a famous Broadway actor in this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. My my boy uh, Napoleon smelled with his nose a lot. Um, that that's Christopher Sieber, who I knew from the uh, Mary Kate Nashley sitcom Two of a Kind. Oh yeah. But apparently, he's just been just been whipping it out all over Broadway for like as the original cast for Spamalot and Shrek. And prom and and the company revival, um, whipping it out like Sebastian Stan in Monday. I don't think so. Okay, um, Paul Rubens was there too. Paul Rubens was fucking there. <laughs> I, Mr. Pee Wee Herman, he did that. Yeah, yeah. I, I that was one of those things where it's like I know Paul Rubens this, was know, in an episode. He's he was in two. He was the weird, the weird uh, the he's the guy. Yeah, he's the sewer smeller. That was Paul Rubens? That was Paul Rubens, baby. I didn't connect it until you guys started talking about it, but I knew he looked extremely familiar. Yeah. "Mm -hmm." That makes me so happy. He's He's so weird in this. He just fleshes into everything. (laughs) He's such a weird little man. Mm -hmm. He is. Just I I like to think of him as just a nasty little guy, you know? Yeah. You can tell he was having fun. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, like, he really kind of, like he kind of and when he goes into the space he can blend in like you were saying and mm-hmm. he really pluses up the whole performances of whatever he's in i mean like he i think he was like briefly in like reno 911 and i was like what the fuck mm-hmm. <laughs> like get out of here mm-hmm. paul rubens i didn't even know <laughs> it is one of those things where it's like it's that is that paul rubens get yeah, paul rubens just looks at the camera like mm-hmm. and just runs away <laughs> it's like they chase him with a net or something his brutal there words his rooftop scene with chuck yeah. is so uncomfortable yep. and i mean it is intentionally meant to to be awkward and uncomfortable but you could just tell that like they were they were vibing they were they were vibing with the weird creepiness and okay. having a good time i was gonna say if all of the material off this sweater and then beg you for a little bit of your hair and that it's like they wrote that and they were like is paul rubens free is paul rubens up is to paul anything rubens right now ready is this for a this? kink is, is, this, um, is this a kink it might be i, would, I don't know I, I would love to just real quick just tell everyone that if it weren't for gilbert godfrey we would not have paul rubens the tell end. me why that that's it um, that's all we get <laughs> end of sentence no i will not tell you why goodbye that's how i'm leaving <laughs> no oh. um no, it's because Paul Rubens auditioned for Saturday Night Live. And the same year Gilbert Godfrey auditioned for Saturday Night Live. And they they liked both of them, but they had the same exact acting style. And so they mm-hmm. went with Gilbert Godfrey, who was only on it for like a season or two. And because of that, that's when the Pee Wee Herman show opened up. And like... He like started develop like because he started developing Pee Wee Herman after he was so pissed off he couldn't get on SNL because of Gilbert Godfrey. 
Fun fact for the day. That's bonkers. Yeah. So let, let hate fuel you in all the things that you yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to own all of the sexy pop-up books. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that just seems that fun. Episode, oh, yeah, yeah. The, they just all seemed fun. The I bomb pop-up book and then the... Mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the title, but they all had very fun titles. And uh, it, I, I just I, I felt very titillated by it. Uh, I want to know what that pop-up book does. It's also a good world that we can live in where like a bookstore that de- specifically works in pop-up books. Yeah, that's fine. We can have that in this economy. Sure. Let's do it. Also a store that exclusively sells pies, not pastries, not even different sizes or shapes of pie, just only pie, just only the pie shaped yeah. pie ass looking pie. Yep. Um, I did want to, I wanted to see the, uh, if I could get any names of any of the pop-up books from that place. But the first thing that came up was a Pushing Daisies nesting doll set. That's very, very... I would like to just... Um, I, I don't want to dunk on any independent creators because this is a creator from Etsy. <laughs> however. <laughs> however. And whoever this person is put a lot of work into these. Uh, I respect them. I am a little afraid of this Lee Pace nesting doll that I've dropped in oh. our group chat. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I love it. <laughs> I don't. I just like a little just like, because well, it's like uh, for everyone listening, um, Lee Pace, uh, you know, you've seen Lee Pace, I hope. Um, <laughs> but uh, he has put on the largest nesting doll um, which a nesting doll is, you know, there's it's they're called Russian nesting dolls. You kind of put one inside the other inside the other and you can unstack them and create their own little dolls. So Lee Pace is on the largest one, which is great for his height. But like having to go around the nesting doll <laughs> itself makes him kind of look like um, I remember this character. He from looks Dr. like John. Tra- he looks like oh. John Travolta. He looks exactly like John Travolta. That's a really good way to put that, actually. That's a really good I, way to I put would that. Say, <laughs> I would say that if you were to remove the excess egg, uh, it would look remarkably likely pace. I would say that this artist is almost too talented to be making nesting dolls and that yeah. their medium of choice to work with is... No. Oh, no. <laughs> no. They got the tits right. Wait, oh, hang on. They did. You can't just say uh, that for the listeners. Oh, we, we, got, we got the Kristen Chenoweth doll. Uh, they, they got them. They got them titties right. Um, that was maybe disrespectful. I'm sorry, Kristen Chenoweth. Um, you're beautiful and wonderful and talented. Uh, you could still. She could still. Be she could still celebrate. I can yeah, still celebrate her tits. Yeah. Okay. She can be talented and still have great titties. I, I will yeah. say that it's not. Coming from me, it's not sexual. I'm not. I'm not sexualizing her great tits. Right. Oh, I like that she's the smallest one. That's very cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't yeah, like I, that Ned and uh, and and Chuck are, are definitely going to be touching. Yeah. Uh, oh, and this is all assembled. Oh my gosh, you're right. <gasps> oh, I, and that, that's just... how Chuck dies. <laughs> oh. I do. I do have to question the choice of medium. I d- like yeah. it's why nesting it lo- dolls why okay it looks like this artist creates their whole deal is not pushing daisies their whole deal is making nesting dolls 
Um, and oh my god, they have a Stefan from Saturday Night Live who's played by Bill Hader. I'm gonna buy that for me. Love that for you. <laughs> they have the Ramones. They have the Mighty Boosh, which is kind of cool. Uh, oh, Beetlejuice. That, that one makes sense to me. Uh, the Goonies. Um, what's Scream? See, a, lo- a lot of these track. Yeah. A lot There's of these lot track of- for me. A lot of these are like, yeah, that could be a set of <laughs> nesting dolls. I get it. But Pushing Daisies <laughs> hang on, uh, does hang not on. line up for me. There's apparently a no from me. There are I'm officially a- released Goonies nesting dolls. Oh, I love that. I fucking love that. That's uh, the cast of Breaking Bad as nesting dolls. Excellent. Very good. That is very that good. One, that one works. That slaps. Yeah. It's very good. I will say that even in this this uh, group photo of all the pushing daisies nesting dolls, Emerson Codd is still has a look on his face like, I don't want to be with you. <laughs> he knows I'm he's just... a nesting doll and hates it. That <laughs> man, yeah. look at look at. Tell me that that face doesn't say that's a man who knows he's a nesting doll and hates it. <laughs> he knows it. He hates it. Chuck and 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 Matt are just like, yeah, I guess we're nesting dolls. It's pretty kooky, huh? And he's like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> he's genre savvy. It's pretty kooky, it. huh? Fuck you. <laughs> oh, the the Big Lebowski set is very good. <laughs> Oh, this goodness. is a podcast about nesting dolls now. You know oh. what? Drop, what's what's the name? Because now at this point we are plugging. Yeah, this is either. this is an advertisement right. at this point. All right, I, I, I really don't like the office ones. Okay. Oh, the shining's fun. This is the artist, and this um, I want to make clear uh that the artist does have some really wonderful sets of nesting dolls. Um, like I really do it. I'm obsessed with the, what we do in the shadows one. And I just sent it to my roommate to be like, can we buy these for our apartment? Um, <laughs> so very good. So I am obsessed with most of them. Um, but it's Bobo Babushka. Bobo! <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> this is what that, that monkey's up to now. That's what this, mo- oh my gosh. <laughs> incredible this is what a full circle i bet yeah full circle that's correct (laughs) (laughs) oh my you did it you did it boba babushka thank you so much boba babushka i just i i really am obsessed with some of the lines that they have um some of them i'm like okay we didn't have to make that into a um, nesting doll, but some of them I am truly just like, oh crap, you absolutely Oh, made I love the hmm. Oh, wow. What? I love the the, the Wives of Henry VIII one. Oh, oh yeah! One... I... Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking iconic. Oh my gosh. Bobo Babushka is is killing it. Uh, I, 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 I will agree that the Lee Pace one is maybe a little questionable. The Lee but, Pace one looks exactly like John Travolta in Face Off. But but some of these are are truly truly remarkably talented. This this person is genuinely very good. This ge- yeah. this very clearly <gasps> takes a ton of work and a lot of like artistic There's skill. There's a Golden Girls one. There's a Golden Girls one, and I'm just okay. We need to stop talking about nesting oh. <laughs> <laughs> dolls. It You're comes with a nesting- little cheesecake. Okay. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. We're having 
fun Fantastic here. Mr. Fox. Oh my god. All right, I'm exiting gracious. out. I'm exiting out. I'm exiting out. I'm exiting out. I'm not. I'm still scrolling, but we can keep doing the podcast. <laughs> this started oh. with wanting to look at the pop-up books. Uh, one of the pop-ups is called Pop-Up Pin-Up. That's pretty basic. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the one. So good. About. Such a great name. I like the pop-up book of sports-related deaths <laughs> that they have. That's fun. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, I also just found the cover of the comic book that was released for San Diego Comic-Con. Um, and it is as exactly what it looks like. I don't know how. Else to... <laughs> mm. Now I'll say this. Huh. I think Bobo Bobushka did a better job with Lee Pace. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't have been dunking on Bobo Bobushka. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This, uh, this art style does not suit the, the vibe at all. I don't like it. Don't like it one bit. The vibe is rancid, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a very funny thing to look at. Um, speaking of a very funny thing to look at, um, uh, can I also ask you another question, please? Yes. Absolutely. So when we were kind of wrapping up um, the end of um, Plucking Daisies, at the end of each episode, we'd ask our guests what their favorite pie flavor was. Do you have favorite pie flavors, friends? Is Boston cream pie a pie? Most people yes. consider it a cake. Okay, Boston no, cream pie, pie is my favorite. Okay. If it were called, if it were a cake, it would be a Boston cream cake. Fuck everyone else. <laughs> this I'm, is how taxonomy works. I'm boring. Uh, I uh, my 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 peak favorite pie is apple, but uh, I can also fuck with a good cherry. Yes, mm. that's also like cherries. A, a good bourbon pecan is where I'm living. Oh, I forgot pecan pie existed. Yeah. Fuck. So good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very good. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I said my... Oh. Nope. Go, go, go. No. No. <laughs> Where'd you go? I'm not coming back you until s- you say what you were going to say. <laughs> God, this is the best episode we've ever made. I'm not editing a fucking second of this. Um, I I was <laughs> what I was going to say is that Val, you hit on a good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we need we need significant amounts of this kind of chaotic energy every single time. It's very good. I was just going to say that the, the Val hits on an excellent point that this show makes me want pie. <laughs> that, was yeah. worth, that was not worth you doing all that for. I think that was fun. Um, <laughs> one, I want to say that my favorite is banana cream. Um, my mm. second favorite is specifically a pie that one of my favorite pie shops by me makes, and it is an Earl Grey tea cream pie, and it's amazing. Oh. Um, uh, I will say, se- can I send, I'll find out if I can send you all some. Um, but the third thing I want to say is, um, it, every time I watch this show, I have to eat, like, I'm, I go to eat a little bit of pie. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, I've been, it just. I've, I've been making banoffee pies, which is bananas and whipped cream and, and caramel and, and, and graham cracker crust. 
um, a lot lately because my family likes them. And I, I have to imagine that this show is probably the, the prime reason why I'm like randomly making pies all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I did really love the line that Lee Pace has of like, candy is fleeting, but pie is home or whatever it was. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. I do really miss my mom's pie. My mom made uh, a phenomenal apple pie. Uh, and uh, I miss her cookies as well. Those are like the two things my mom really nailed. That, that makes me very soft. That's very sweet. Well, I think there's... there's she's not a good person, so it's it's a little <laughs> less sweet. Um, okay. Th- yeah, the reason why I don't get her pie and cookies anymore is is because we do not talk. Uh, okay. She's not dead. She She's alive. Um, okay. That probably sounded like I'm she so was I'm so sorry. Dead. No, no, it is a-okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, there's, I'll make you a pie. A- what kind of pie? Oh, thanks. Um, what kind of pie? <laughs> Apple. <laughs> um, you don't have to make me a pie, though. Too bad. Uh, there is, like, a bitter sweetness to that, though. And, like, there's a bitter sweetness to this show. Um, that, like, okay, I have- it, it does, Pushing Daisies does make you think about kind of heavy stuff. Um. But it, it's fun and beautiful. Uh, but it also like makes you uh, think about death and get sad and stuff. Um, <laughs> we are sex bob. Um, question: Would you give me um, your address? Uh, yeah, we will one hundred percent give you your address. <laughs> Not while we're recording the episode. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Remember that time that Val doxed us all live on Ending Pounding? <laughs> you said you liked the chaotic energy. You have to like all of it. You can't accept me at my doxing. You don't deserve me at my random Hi. cookies showing up at your door. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, was there anything we specifically did not like about the, these the episodes? The sex doll. The sex doll was yeah, it was too much. Just a weird choice. It was too much. It was too much cards on the table. When it was kind of subtle in there, it was fine. Like, all right, Mm -hmm. we see your Hellfire Club, we get it. But then the it was too it was too on the nose. Then yeah, I think you know again. There's this weird like I don't know how it aired when it aired because there is this weird kind of sexual nature, like the racism not excusable at all. But the racism, like, that time people were still being, like, that kind of shitty racist on, like, national television, which is very fucked up. So, I like, I see how that got through the censors, but how the fuck did a sex, like, a real-ass sex doll, you know, like, get through? Like, that's wild to me. What I genuinely think... I genuinely think the the old uh, white dudes in charge just didn't know what it was. Like, they didn't get it. Now they would. I mean, obviously, we're in different times now. But um, in 2007 or whatever, just didn't have sex dolls in stuff. That's... That's so true. What did, that kind of makes me... What did weird, lonely men fuck then? <laughs> 
I guess there's an answer to that. Yeah, yeah. there are several, and I'm just going to let okay, we, none of them happen. That dead air is the yeah. most awkward thing that's ever happened yeah. on this show, and I apologize to everyone. No, no. I mean, there certainly is an answer to that. Yeah. Do we have time mm-hmm. to discuss it? Maybe. No, we're just going to move right on. It's another podcast. We're going to throw out that whole suitcase. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I do, I do feel like, um, you know, there's some, uh, like, underutilization of like like the the female characters are written very well in this show do not get me wrong but i still do feel like they're underutilized in terms of story and plot um i feel like you know and i i i I know a lot of male directors have this problem of just sort of using their female characters as plot devices to move the story forward instead of independent characters and again, Pushing Daisies doesn't have the issue of them not being independent characters, but I feel like in some of their episodes, it's definitely as obvious that they were like, and now there's women doing their- <laughs> The last episode for sure felt that way to me. Yeah, that's exactly what I was kind of <laughs> getting at. But like, and that, that can get bothersome. But I will say like, again, in comparative- in comparison to like a lot of the media that we do see, like they do a stellar job with having actual growth in their women characters. So, um, there's also I feel like now give me a second before I make this ludicrous claim um, about our beautiful Emerson because I I think the character of Emerson is a uh, phenomenal and fun character i just also think that he can be boiled down to being like the grumpy black man a lot and that's not a fun like trope to have your characters constantly fall into now i do think it's fucking amazing that he gets into like pop-up books and that's how he like finds his daughter and like wants to find his daughter and i think that's phenomenal but i also do think that Still, he can fall into those tropes that a lot of black actors fall into when taking on roles. So it is interesting because we've talked about how Emerson Codd is like a bit different from from other, you know, procedural shows where, you know, the the black guy does tend to take like a like a hard boiled exterior kind of thing and kind of, you know, just just the the, the very storied detective of the show. And at this point this show, he does get to be like the audience surrogate at some point. Like he is like the real piece of this, but to your point, it definitely does force him to like, be like the, you know, I can't believe I'm hanging out with these white people guy, the wet blanket. Um, yeah. Uh, which, you know, there's, there's pro cons and cons and pros to that, but, but it does like kind of wedge him into a spot that like, is hard to pull him out of organically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I do find it also funny that he does fall in love with that dog trainer woman. <laughs> yeah. Are, have we hit that episode? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about putting it all on the page, huh? <laughs> there is there is some kink stuff there for sure. Oof. Mm-hmm. Oh Oofa doofa. Yeah. But yeah. Episodes could still be shorter. Andy, I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll carry your, your these these episodes are still a little long and and kind of a lackluster finale. I don't know. I don't fully know that it was like maybe intended to be a finale, considering it was a short season. But it was kind of just like, 
you know, without the revelation at the end that that uh, Lily is the is the mother. There's just not not anything here that's really like, you know, um, there's there's kind of the stakes of Paul Rubens finding out that Chuck was dead. But it's like at the same time, it's like, OK, he knows. So what? Like what what's going to happen now? It doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. It does kind of like everything kind of just comes together with a thud and I just moves say on. That, that, um, it did affect uh, uh, the last episode of this season was affected by the writer's strike mm-hmm. and they did. And the writer's strike was from 2007 to 2009. Maybe I can't exactly remember, but I do remember reading somewhere that they had to change the end of season one, um, like last minute before like shooting and stuff, because there were some issues with the writer's strike and they didn't know if they were going to be picked up for another season. And so they didn't want to like, lead into too many things um that's all i wanted to say on that so yeah uh i do think that this show is really affected by being a product of its time where like if you uh when you watch it watch the recap they have to pack so much fucking exposition into the last time on pushing daisies because they have to establish like the the fact that there's magic powers, the rules of the magic powers, how these characters know each other, why they can't touch, the 60-second thing, like, they, they have to cram all of that explanation in at the start of every single episode. Uh, because when this show came out, there wasn't a way to watch it, you know, except for live. Right, right. Uh, and, like, it, it's it's really affected by that. Where if this show was coming out now and was on a streaming platform, one, they wouldn't have to reestablish the rules at the start of every single episode. And two, it could be as long or as short as it needs to. Like The Mandalorian is sometimes 48 minutes. It's sometimes an hour. It's sometimes 38. Like Pushing Daisies, you know, we've said uh, twice now, you know, going off what Ronnie said, that it's too long sometimes. Yeah, if it if it was coming out now, it could be as long as it needed to be, and it wouldn't feel like, uh, you know, oh, they're kind of padding this one for time. And 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 like you said last time, it's it's not so much that like I'm I'm counting the minutes till it's over. It's not like too long. It's just like it could have been shorter. Yeah, I, I think you said that better last time, Andy. Of just like yeah, that thing. They could have, you know, knotted that up in 22 minutes I, and, you know, it would have been nice and breezy. I, I love every second of it. But at the same time, it's right. like, oh, uh, you know, I feel like uh, they kind of kind of caught the, the killer there. And uh, <laughs> I think we got another 15 minutes here. So <laughs> the one, the, the can- I, I may have missed a little bit of it because I was I was baking while I was watching it. But the candy episode, I feel like they just kind of like yada yada into the who like that the health inspector like yeah was yeah. the killer they don't actually find it they just the narrator's like so we're gonna save you some time it was the health inspector that's fine okay it is a good show and like i do feel like there's these awkward like kind of like you, you were saying like padding for time where it's like oh, like, I'm kind of, we're wading through all this other stuff and, like, get it, trying to get through, like, we have our killer, we have, we did everything, and now we have to have this final 
wrap up, which we don't really even need for some of these episodes, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good show. I, and like at the time there was this response to it. I know, I know I'm trying though, that everyone was really into it. And then writer yeah. strike happened. And then, you know, it, it, it's what happens. And it's, it's kind of hard to see. And especially in season two where they just kind of had to stop making it. And like you don't really get a lot of resolves for a lot of different parts. It's it's hard to see that. It's a bummer. It's like, oh, I want more of this. The, so the writer's Garza, strike. If you're listening, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the writer's strike truly did kill like a lot of really great shows. Like Heroes never recovered. Pushing Daisies never recovered. Um, right. It it truly uh, affected. Uh, like every show that was on TV at the time and uh, I think affected TV in a big way moving forward but we really wouldn't have internet content without it like the writer's strike happened and all of a sudden there were a bunch of like independent creators like stepping up to fill the gap there was like uh, uh, the league and Dr. Horrible Singalong blog and uh League of Steam, like, there were a bunch of, like, you know, duct tape and independent creators stepping up, or, like, people who were adjacent to the industry but not quite in it, like, striking out to to do something special in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, and I I do, I love that kind of, I mean, unfortunately, one of them was Josh peed in the pool, yeah. but um, <laughs> otherwise, like, I, I do love that kind of coming together and i do think that striking was the best thing that they could have done to protect themselves for sure um but you know it it, like a lot of really great shows did suffer because of that but i'm so glad that the people who did strike got what they got at the end you know honestly a a thousand different shows could have been thrown under the bus and i'm I'm still for the people you know (laughs) absolutely yeah i i am always going to be on the side of the striking workers uh it was something huge too it was like they weren't getting residuals from online content or something like that like it was something massive like if i'm remembering correctly Mm -hmm. um i yeah it was like bigger studios were having like they were just not paying these people appropriately um and like i i I do think there's like issues with dvd sales at the time because dvds were like a big thing and getting residuals off of dvds um and definitely had something to do with also i i do know that there's some issues with like animation too um but that's just because i i'm aware of animation and what and what capacity that uh, i work in you know (laughs) um there's probably you're wrong about about it you know yeah (laughs) i was gonna say there's probably like there's a bunch of different articles i'm not the person to ask about this i'm not (laughs) so informed about it i just know of the dreaded writer strike and people not getting paid appropriately um so but um but that being said uh i would love and raul esparza if you're listening i would love a pushing Daisies reboot, please. Or musical. Or musical. Music. That's the thing. So much of the original cast can be in a musical. Yeah. Or even just like 
Gosh, I think it would be cool if Ned didn't even sing. I think that would be fun, like, you know, for that his whole so character. That would be so excellent. And he's a wonderful actor. He's done stage plays before. Mm-hmm. I think that would just be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Val, where can people find you? Uh, in my Besides basement? your basement, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, before I tell people where uh, I can be found, um, I just want to say thing again, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, I know that I brought a lot of energy into the, the space, best. but I really appreciate you have like having me on and letting me bully you into letting me on. And it was it was a really good time. I had a really great time. Um, we are flattered to have been bullied by you. I, I, I really need my <laughs> shoes back, though. If you could send me my <laughs> shoes, please. <laughs> All right, give me your address. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. Um, no, but um I can be found um I can be found mostly on Twitter at Hey Val Patron. That's H E Y as in hello, not horses eat hay. And then Val, V A L, like Valentine. And then Patron is the fun one. It's P E T R O N E. A lot of people like to spell it like the alcohol, which is P A T R O N. That's incorrect. That is just not correct. Um, that's would be Pat would R-Y. be fun if it was spelled that way, though. Just just saying, I, it would be real fun. I was sat next to Brittany Bacardi in my biology class freshman year. I think mm. my biology teacher had a little fun with that one thrown in the party can I, anyway oh biology teachers always having fun can i just say you are an excellent twitter follow uh yes. top notch top notch yeah good, oh yeah content on the Fre- internet. frequent frequent chuckles while i'm at my my cubicle can you give uh, me can, i hate twitter. to I hate to be a classic Leo, but can you like slice me off? Like I have no idea what I could even. <laughs> I'm pulling up on my Twitter now to see the last Val Patron tweet that made me. There's made nothing. Me laugh. I'm not famous anymore. Is like my tweets pretty much. Um, but also while you're pulling that up, um, you can catch the TV show that I work on, Big City Greens, um, on Disney Channel. It's playing a lot. Um, we just finished up our season two, which is great. Um, and that's going to be, oh, mm. uh, uh, me and Du Bois on 420 was the last one that really made me laugh yeah, because a- of fucking Tails. The oh, yeah. segment on Tails' eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he just, that was me and Du Bois on yeah. 420, except I don't smoke weed. <laughs> but, um, but, uh. No, yeah. Um, you can watch uh, Big City Greens. I believe th- that some of the episodes are on Disney Plus. Um, it's a really great show. It's about a country kid and his family who move to the city and have fun city shenanigans. Um, it's a really cute show. We have some really wonderful guest voices on it as well. Um, if you like podcasts, which I'm sorry, um, <laughs> if you like podcasts, you can find me on a Borealis's Losers: A Love Story. That's a short form retelling of the It books by Stephen King. Uh, I play Eddie Kasprak, um, and I love it because I get to be anxious all the time, which I already am. I also do the Creature Report, um, which is on Paperboat Productions. Uh, Creature Report is an improv game where we describe monsters live as we're seeing them, as if we are news reporters. And it is a lot of fun. It gets really wild. Um, and yeah, there's a few other places you can find me. But if you want to look at that stuff, you can go to HeyValPatron at Twitter.com. 
Uh, Unless you're Raul Esparza, in which case my phone number. (laughs) Uh, No. I I just, I have to hop in and say, I, there's few people where I can say, like, I am a fan of literally everything that, that somebody does. And that Vel is certainly uh, fits in there. Um, The, the, the Eddie Kasparak is the only Eddie Kasparak um that that will enter my life at any point um uh, your your time on AHB 76 i can't wait for that to come back if it's ever coming back who knows oh, yeah i would i hope so um i know that we're kind of um uh restructuring uh paperboat productions a little bit mm-hmm. but um hopefully someday in the near future you'll get to have davy luchowski back my little baseball mm-hmm. boy and uh big city greens is like the only short form thing that lila can stretch her attention over um it's it's all everything's wonderful everything's great <laughs> I, I, I i i assume that's probably more of a team uh production but every time i watch it i'm just like lila lila i i know i know someone who who does this and she's just like i'm the voices <laughs> and your child your child just goes well that's the biggest compliment honestly um i think the most important thing is just like for me at least uh not in my podcast content but in the work that i do in animation it's just like i love making kids smile i like mm-hmm. you know doing stuff for kids like, I will also say I very much enjoy Greeks. I, I, I say that because that but Lila is the primary watcher uh, of the TV. She <laughs> holds the remote and I have to just be at her whim. Um, but I like when her whim uh, points me to Big City Greens. It's a very good time for me. Yeah, thank you. Griffin McElroy was on an episode mm-hmm. and I told him that I worked on it. and He was like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, It was a very funny experience. I, just because we're on a podcast. Um, one of the acclaimed McElroy brothers of podcasting zone, McElroy brothers, Griffin. Um, he did a voice for our show as a pepper merchant. And I remember going to a live show in 2017 and like being like, hey, you did a voice for my cartoon that i work on he said what cartoon and i like put something over my hand or my mouth and i said big city greens and he was like oh my gosh that was so much fun he's like what a great experience that was blah 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 and then like there was like a bunch of fans around and so someone like didn't see what i said and they were like oh my god was it trolls too (laughs) (laughs) i felt so bad i was like okay goodbye Oh, that famous uh. series, <laughs> Trolls 2. Oh, uh, boy. The McElroy brothers will, did, were in they, Trolls They two did it. Yeah, McElroy good for them. brothers were in anyway, Big Anyway, where Green. can we find you? Where you can we find you? <laughs> right here. Goodness gracious. I love it. I love oh. this energy. Um, You can find Hi! us. <laughs> Find us at patreon.com slash WTM radio. That is where they may radio a joint podcasting effort from ending pending and forced friends rewatch uh, and, new content and a new show that's coming out. Uh, fan fiction is good, actually. Yeah. Oh, I love fan fiction. Um, now you want to be on my fan fiction podcast? Yeah. I, did you know that I used to role play as Bruce Banner? <laughs> no, what? That must have been the most feral Bruce Banner ever. Save it. Was... Save that content. Save it. Keep it. Keep it inside. Keep it inside. Uh... <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> I've never 
said that in public before, but I feel like now's the time. Now you've told the it. world. I love out. it. Now you can't put it back. It's like toothpaste. Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> I used to do a lot of Tumblr roleplay. I would love to talk about it sometime because I do have a lot of positive memories of it. Hell yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Content. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up later. Yeah. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter at Pod, And that's it. Don't follow us anywhere else. It's not worth my time. <laughs> then why am um, I even getting your addresses? Because you can't send us a pie through Twitter, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. I like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, boy. What do, we, what, do we, what do we say at the end of these, Andy? I think, first of all, we say, Val, this was uh, the highlight of my week. Uh, this was a ton of fun. Thank you for hanging out with us. A hoot? Uh, this was a hoot and a half. This is Aww. probably the longest we've ever recorded, so we are I'm sorry so for sorry. keeping you. No, we're sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'm but this sorry. Was, we're sorry. <laughs> this was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, and then Thank we you. tell the the listeners uh, to. Uh, I don't remember how we end the podcast anymore. Uh, we're, we're never doing Firefly because Joss Whedon peed in the pool. Joss Whedon <laughs> peed in the pool. Joss Whedon peed in the pool. Where they may radio.